today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. This is February. This is Black History Month. And, uh, well, let's face it, a number of people, I, I think, are looking to see some progress being made, especially in light of some of the events that happened in 2020 uh, that uh, certainly brought this to the fore for an awful lot of us. And uh, Global News has been looking into this. An investigation by Global News is uncovering a disturbing trend in schools across Ontario. Complaints of racism are rarely being escalated past local school principals, and an awful lot of frustrated people are saying there's a lot of inaction. Not much is happening when those complaints are actually made. Global's Camel Kamanairi has the report. Complaints of racism rarely get elevated to the school board level. In fact, we emailed every public and Catholic school district in the greater Toronto-Hamilton area. Those that responded were not able to provide any recent data on the number of formal complaints related to anti-black racism. There is no central tracking system. We do not have a central process for reporting incidents of discrimination. The data is not tracked centrally, no central location from which we could pull the data, and the list goes on and on and on. Kamel Karamali, Global News. So where is the infrastructure? Where are the support mechanisms? And what about the public attitude towards what's going on here with Black History Month? Uh, so pleased to welcome to the program to talk about all this, Yvette Blackburn. Uh, Yvette is an educator, social activist, and a global Jamaica Diaspora Council representative. Uh, Yvette, a pleasure to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Bill. It's a pleasure also being here with you. Well, you know, when when we're looking at what happened, we talked extensively, well, everybody, I think, did, about some of the tragic events that occurred, the Black Lives Matter protests, uh, the murder of George Floyd. Uh, and I, I like to think that there's a recognition, as those events were transpiring last summer, uh, that maybe we need to think about this 365 days of the year, not just during February and, and, and Black History Month. Uh, are we making any progress to, in that regard at all, Yvette? Well, I think there's some progress in the sense of people taking that their own moral check, right, to see where are they in their actions and attitudes with regards to individuals that they socialize with on an everyday basis and those you interact with in your places of employment. Um, so individuals, I think, are doing that. Are their policies starting to be put in place to try to reaffirm or to uh, change out what have been the discriminatory practices, norms, and policies? Yes, we're on the road to trying to correct the wrongs, but it's going to take a while. It took us 370-odd years, so uh, it's going to take a bit more uh, for us to try to um, implement the changes. But it's happening, right? And at least the discussions are coming into place. And people are now even having the training of anti-black racism, anti-racism and oppression. So those languages are coming in for people to have a better understanding as to what do they mean, how do we engage, and what have we been doing to create the barriers. Yet a lot of this is on the surface, seems to be. In other words, it's occurring, but we don't talk about it every day, uh, so we assume everything is fine. You know, oh, yeah, the Civil Rights Act passed in the United States in 1964. Yeah, there's a Charter of Rights and Freedoms. All those things are in place. Uh, I, you know, so let's we don't need to, to work about this. Let's put the toolkit away. We've got everything in place, and clearly we don't. No, we don't. As Canadians, we live in this naive world because we have this border brother uh, that, you know, everything is magnified with regard to the racism that is blatant racism that we see on TV or within the news or the radio. But Canada also has its own problems. We, we, we continue to perpetuate racism and systemic and institutional racism against our black brothers, indigenous and racialized people on an everyday basis from the aspects of hiring. When you think about it, we sit at the lowest economic 
economic um, structures of the index. We do not sit um, with numbers in the seats of power. Uh, we, when you think about commerce, boards of uh, directors, boards of trade, you do not see representation. Uh, so when individuals think that, you know, we are, you know, so calm and mild and re- receiving and so multicultural, we have to really take stock and really deconstruct that. Because when you look at what is reflective in our society as Canadians, we truly are not, um, you know, one to say a mosaic of, of representation, nor do we have people in positions of influence to affect change. I, I, we're not naive enough to think that, that that's, those sorts of things happen down there and not up here, though, are we? We are. We, we heard it just even from the start and the flare-up as to the issues of police uh, um, brutality, the, the, the shootings of innocent black males, or, or the way in which interactions have gone awry, um, you know, the beating of the police officer, of the young male in, in Durham. Um, so there's always this mindset of thinking that we are better or it does not exist on our um, land. And it is something that happens every day. But the conversations are starting to happen. The analysis the reflective pieces are starting to happen. People are starting to speak out and say, we need to take stock and really address our own issues here in Canada because we are not innocent. We are not devoid of all of the racism that we see or like to, you know, propagate onto our American brothers and sisters. In a situation like this where public education is such an important part, and it, it should be an ongoing public education, I think, as well, how important is it, Yvette, to, to honor those who went before and, and, and blazed the trail? I mean, uh, you know, I, the first name that always comes to mind with me is a, a guy who was a dear friend of me, Lincoln Alexander, the late Lincoln Alexander, uh, who I, I got to know quite well, of course, uh, in Hamilton. And, uh, you know, the first black MP, of course, from uh, f- that served in, in the Canadian Parliament, the first uh, Ontario lieutenant governor, uh, for chancellor for the University of Guelph, and uh, just an incredible human being. Uh, but a guy who uh, anybody that read his autobiography could say was constantly faced with racist attitudes from people. Didn't always talk about it, uh, but did from time to time. And was a, But he said, it's there. He says, you know, it's, the fact that I didn't say anything about it today doesn't mean it's not there. But people like that, uh, as I'm sticking to you right now, actually, Yvette, I'm, uh, in my home office here where I'm broadcasting from, uh, I've got one of the first uh, $10 bills that were issued a couple of years ago with uh, Viola Desmond on the $10 bill. Mm-hmm. Uh, another great pioneer. I mean, we all hear of the Rosa Parks story, and that's part of, and a very important part of, of the American uh, black history uh, uh, story. But <laughs> Viola Desmond uh, did essentially the same thing in, in Halifax years before Rosa Parks did. She was jailed for it, too. Uh, but she stood by her, her principles, and we, we need to celebrate those, don't we? Correct. And, you know, the old adage, those who don't know their history are doomed to repeat it, right? So, and when you leave out individuals from history, how do the youth or those that are coming up know or understand the place or the value that individuals that are black and indigenous and racialized have played in our community? So, like, you know, when you think in our age bracket, I think you and I were up in the same age bracket per se, there's also the names of, you know, the Rosemary Browns, the Howard McCurdy's, right? If we're talking mm-hmm. about politics, that still, for the most part, go unsung to a certain extent or unnoted um, within our history books or discussions within the, you know, the institutional walls. Um, of education, and we have to do more. So it's about bringing it to prominence. It's also acknowledging what is happening with, you know, um, Amherstburg and a few other areas across uh, our 
province right now trying to rename different buildings, um, you know, institutions or monuments under the, in the names of various prominent black individuals who have made major contributions from various facets and walks of life um, to make Canada great. And I think that's one of the key things that will aid um, Canadians to have a better understanding and to be able to research a little bit more as to who are the true contributors and who are some of the unsung heroes who have laid the path for some of the greatness that all of us are able to uh, have value and benefit from. Eva, you're an educator. How are we doing in that facet of this of this process? Uh, and I mean, even in the school situation, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to seek out Black history, you can find it. There are places to do this. But it sh- is is it being taught? Is it something that that every student is 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 exposed to and, and is learning about exactly what happened uh, in our in our history, in our Canadian history? No, it's not because and this uh, I also set the table of the uh, Black Student Achievement with Toronto District School mm-hmm. Board. And to the point, motions have been passed, and as we know, um, the Natasha Henry and the OBHS have also pushed for black curriculum to be taught throughout all of the high schools, but that's also come to elementary. Uh, remember, each teacher is in control of the pedagogy of their classroom, so if a teacher does not have an intrinsic um, care to ensure that they embed in their mathematics lessons, science lessons, language lessons, uh, that students have a clear understanding that there are black and indigenous racialized people who have contributed, then it's void. It's missing. That child is not going to grasp that if their parents or their families or friends do not have those discussions at home or in the social context of their engagement. Uh, so as far as education, we're failing. We are failing greatly in the sense of ensuring that we are reflective and truly honoring all voices and contributions of our black, racialized, and indigenous people. So uh, we're not doing a good job. Motions are being passed at the board level to try to push. I know in the sake of TDSB, part of one of the requests was to have a black ombudsperson to your earlier part of the news report mm-hmm. to have um, track all reports that are coming in or, or complaints with regards to anti-black racism, um, aspects of bullying or issues within the classrooms or in the confines of our educational institutions, but it still has not been implemented. And that should be an easy fix. Hire a staff member that truly takes in and looks at all the complaints, whether it be from staff, parents, students, to be able to track and get a better account and understanding what is happening, how frequently it's happening, and what are the categories in which the complaints are coming in. Because in the absence of that information and, and, and that exposure to, to that history and and. I mean that, that that manifests itself even later in life. I mean, you know, that you, you just talked earlier about uh, you know the lack of black people in, in boards of education, around boardrooms, you know, and, and, uh, senior management positions, things of this nature, uh, and and. You know, uneducated. I mean, ignorance is, is obviously one of the main factors in, in a lot of the stuff that we talk about here. Uh, and in the absence of that sort of information and that kind of knowledge, uh, those those images and those ideas they have about about, as you say, it could be indigenous, could be blacks, whatever. Uh, that go, that rises through them, and as a result, they don't think about that person as somebody who should be promoted or somebody who should get that job as opposed to that job. Uh, it's got to start with education. Correct. It goes to the consciousness of an individual, right, in a society. So if you um, make people devoid, you do not see them as people with value and talent and, and, you know, excellent work skills, 
you're not going to make that manifest within the, the normal everyday practices that exist. So people then do not, they fall to the de facto factor of stereotypes of holding a certain subgroup of people or a certain group of people within a category, but I do not see them as ones who can lead, those who can invent, so those who are able to, to, to create. And that's where the problem exists because until you start to truly value and acknowledge those that have done great contributions continue to contribute and those who continue to lead, then we are left out of the, the, the boardrooms, the, the superintendent roles. The, you know, you do have a few, um, as, you know, ascendant to directors of education, but even then it's the far and the few and people still question and go, but why did they get there? Are they only there because of being a token role or because we're just trying to send a simplified message, right? Which is in itself ignorance and in itself discriminatory. Well, and the very fact that we have to identify them and say, oh, well, that's the first uh, black yeah. person to do that, uh, is, is it in itself indicative of the fact that, well, why is there only one? Uh, that we have to celebrate the fact that, hey, somebody finally made it to the pinnacle, whereas probably a lot more, you know, they should all have that opportunity, but they don't always get it. Correct. Correct. You hit the nail on the button. The fact that in 2021 we're still saying people are the first, it's problematic extremely problematic when we know within ourselves we have a lot of individuals who are extremely talented well-versed uh, who are able to lead but again the discriminatory uh, practices the racism that exists the intrinsic mindsets of individuals and institutions creates those barriers for individuals not to be able to ascend it also plays on the psyche of people right so to what you're noting if you continually do not see yourself represented if you continually do not get the encouragement um, it then makes you have to want to stop where you're at because you're tired of the negativity you're tired of being put down so there are different things at play when we think about how racism contributes to whether or not we see and acknowledge our people and whether they fall to the wayside and then we we fall into the categories of the stereotypes and norms that, that we see happening I, I mean, there, there are some obvious signs of progress. I mean, I, I'm a huge sports fan, and I, I can remember as a young kid the day uh, when there were no black quarterbacks in football, except Bertie Custis, by the way, the first black quarterback in North America, played for the Hamilton Tigers back in 1951. But the consensus was, and they, they readily admit this now, they said, well, you know, the, 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 those people aren't smart enough to be quarterbacks. Are they not good? That was the attitude in that era, and I'd like to think we've overcome that. I know clearly, judging from some of the stuff we've seen in U.S. politics, lately there's still some people that still hold those beliefs uh, but I'd like to think that they're the minority right now but they're a very powerful and a very loud minority well, they're they're louder and the voices of saying that change has to happen and we are seeing some in regards to representation as you watch you then see call it happening yeah right well uh, why again can we still name um, there's to do yes we acknowledge what is happening we have to first that you see you acknowledge it because it is a step in the direction um, but there's still a lot that has to still be undertaken and some conversations have to be held to say um, how is it that we are in certain categories or certain individuals um, being kept behind and what is the reason for it right but the conversations have to be had but we should also you know acknowledge and and celebrate uh, the positives uh, there have been some of those, and we realize that. And uh, maybe I guess you got to wrap this up in a second here. But I mean, it's, it starts at the top. I and mean, I, I know that one of the things that I think disturbed me, and I think probably disturbed an awful lot of other people, uh, was when 
you know, for instance, you have the guy in the White House who's, you know, the most powerful politician in the world, uh, emboldening people that, that hold racist views. It makes it very, very difficult to try to get that message out. Uh, I'd like to think that, uh, that, that there's a new day there, and, and it's not going to change people's attitudes overnight necessarily. Uh, but, it, you know, that, that you have to have that leadership, whether it's as a prime minister, a president, a premier, uh, whatever it is. People look, and, and they take their cues from those people in positions of power. Correct. That's the, the, the ultimate is the leaders of any countries, right? So depending on what policies and, 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 and stances that they take with their convictions is very important because it does lead the direction and it holds people accountable. And we have to look at Justin Trudeau. He has to make some changes because just making statements, because this is another problem that we have. People will issue statements of anti-black racism or issues or statements that we are going to try to affect change, but yet their policies have not changed, their hiring practices have not changed. So our provincial and federal levels of government really have to look within themselves and at the leadership, um, because when you're seeing Ford um, cozy up in pictures with the you know the right, um, you you still have issues now with the travel ban to just the Caribbean and Mexico, which are racialized mm-hmm. countries. Uh, what are what what's this, what's behind this, and what are we looking at? But your point is correct. It is those in leadership positions must lead accordingly and ensure that they are represented all individuals. Well, it's a dialogue that uh, that has to continue, as we said at the beginning of our conversation, not just through Black History Month, but uh, through the course of the year, too. A pleasure, Yvette, to have you on the program today. Thank you so very much Thank for your you time know. and for your insight. Appreciate it. Take care and enjoy Black History Month. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.